Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Watch Dogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. This is episode 10. It's actually episode 11, but I don't count the little two-minute teaser uh, I made to get everybody interested in what I wanted to do. So in this episode, I'm finally going to talk about what the globalists' plan for all of us is. But first, I'm going to have to comment on the Joe Biden classified document debacle, I'm going to call it, actually. You know, there's a interesting interview that happened on 60 Minutes. Uh, Scott Pelley was interviewing the president when he was talking about the documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago. And, you know, the FBI took that nifty picture of all the documents spread out on the floor, all those folders saying top secret and classified documents. This is what Joe Biden's response to that picture was. I'm sure his attitude has changed just a bit. Listen to this. When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. Did you hear Joe Biden? And his tone, especially, uh, how could this possibly happen? How could someone be so irresponsible? Well, guess what, Joe? <laughs> you have been caught doing the exact same thing. And guess what? You were only vice president when you took these documents and you had no authority to declassify them. That's the difference. Actually, there's quite a few differences. First of all, Donald Trump had the documents he took in a secured location that was guarded by the Secret Service 24-7. You had the documents in the Penn Biden building in the middle of Washington, unsecured and unguarded, and in your garage in Wilmington with your Corvette. I do find it very interesting that you need people to understand that those documents were not just in a locked garage. They were in a locked garage with your Corvette. I love the interview where um, Peter Ducey of Fox uh, asks you, uh, you know, you kept the documents next to your Corvette? And he's like, it was in a locked garage. It's not like I left them out on the curb. And he says, oh, so they were in a locked garage. And then Joe Biden actually says, yes, with my Corvette. Like, OK, from now on, here's the talking points we need everybody to understand. We must include Joe Biden's Corvette in every sentence when we talk about those documents in his garage. Is that clear? It's a, a new memo going out to all the news organizations. You must include 
Joe's Corvette when talking about the documents, top secret documents, found in his garage. A couple of other interesting details. I'm going to spend a whole podcast going over all of the details of the Biden family business. But let me just tell you a little bit about two things that I think are very relevant to this case. First of all, the Penn Biden building in the middle of Washington, D.C. You see, the University of Pennsylvania owned that building and paid Joe Biden $900,000 a year to be a teacher at University of Pennsylvania. He never taught a single class. However, after the university gave him that money to teach, all of a sudden, the University of Pennsylvania got $50 million in donations from Chinese donors. Hmm. Very interesting. And also, if Joe didn't know that, it, that there possibly might be classified documents in that building, why did he send a lawyer of his in to find them? Because, you know, lawyers can protect things through attorney-client privilege. If he would have just sent one of his interns in there to, to rifle through things, that would have gone against the classified documents rules that are set up by the records office in D.C. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the house in Wilmington. Number one, Hunter stayed there for many years and had his driver's license address listed as that. And that was during Hunter's time of many parties and uh, drug-addled sex with uh, hookers. And I understand, you know, addiction's a, a bad thing and a serious thing, but you don't allow your drug addict son to stay in a home that has classified documents in it unless you want people visiting your son to have access to these things under the guise of coming over to party. Also, it should be interesting to note then this is my speculation. This is completely a guess of mine. And if you agree or disagree, please write me, Drew at the watchdogsbark.com. So we know that Hunter Biden is selling these paint by number paintings of his that he makes by blowing paint through a straw. I just can't even talk to you about the irony of that. But anyway, there are foreign donors, many, I'm sure, Chinese and other nationalities, are paying $500,000 for Hunter Biden's paintings in these shows he's doing in New York. And of course, they're remaining anonymous. Well, do you remember um, Joe Biden's emails that were found in Hunter Biden's laptop talking about H holding 10% for the big guy? Well, guess what? Hunter Biden paid around $50,000 a month rent to his father to live in their family home. 
I, I don't see anything suspicious about that. Do you? Now, as f I, I think I have the math right here, but 50,000 is approximately 10% of 500,000. Huh. That's, that can't be more than just a really strange coincidence, right? Oh, geez. There's so much that we really need to talk about with this situation with the Bidens. There's part of me that thinks that this might be revealed on purpose when Joe Biden revealed that he was probably going to run again in 2024. I'm not sure the powers that be that are really in charge were too keen on that. And I also believe that Joe Biden is too damaged now. He comes with way too much baggage. He's not going to work as their figurehead or facade for the person running this government when he's got so much uh, negative baggage attached to him now. Okay, now, what is the globalist's plan for all of us? We know that the globalists plan on living the way they always have lived, uh, consuming as much oil, gas, and coal as they want to keep their yachts and their mansions and their planes running. And they want to keep us under control in large population areas. I don't know if you saw this or not, but I watched it with great intent or great interest, rather, uh, about a new project that Saudi Arabia is building right now in the desert. It's called The Line. What it is, is a housing project that will house a lot of people. It has 500 foot high glass walls. So that's about a football field or soccer pitch because they're about the same length. Uh, the soccer pitch, of course, is a lot wider, but the same length as either an American football field or a soccer field and a half. That's how high these glass walls will be in the line. All right. And it's going to have that on all sides. Uh, the walls are going to be separated by 200 feet of space and it will be 17 and a half miles long. It will have houses on both sides, uh, some communal areas in the middle. It will have a transit system on the very top of it for people to go, a rail system to go uh, back and forth where they need to go. There will be fitness centers and shopping centers and schools and daycare centers and everything that you would need according to the people that will control it. They tout that it's going to be such a glorious place to live. Nothing you desire will be more than five minutes away. They'll be able to satisfy all of your needs within five minutes of where you are housed. This structure, 500 foot high walls, 200 feet wide, 17 and a half miles long, will house 9 million people. It will be totally electric and totally controlled. 
You see, the globalists, the World Economic Forum and the UN and all these other groups that are looking at everything through global control, see this as a place where they can decide what every one of us needs. You know, it'll kind of be communism uh, inside there. But the sad thing is many people will be very happy there because so many people today have been brainwashed to the point where they're completely complacent with their lot in life. We have so many people that are okay with mediocrity and just getting by and believing everything they see on the news and allowing other people to tell them what to think and how to act regarding certain situations. They discovered that people that are scared to death of a virus they don't understand at all will pretty much give up all of their privacy. Oh, another thing about this structure, once everyone is inside and happy and complacent and have their food needs satisfied and, uh, you know, can travel back and forth inside the line and maybe occasionally might earn the ability to travel to another uh, enclosed facility somewhere else in the world so they can have a little different view. Yeah, that might be allowed. Uh, depends on how many of these lines they build all over the world. This one, by the way, in Saudi Arabia is supposed to cost $1 trillion. But what really got me when I watched this program, and I would encourage you to look it up. I think there's a video on YouTube you can find. Just type in The Line and Saudi Arabia, and you should be able to find it. But what's really interesting to me when I watched it, I thought, well, how easy is it to lock everyone down when they want to? And you think that these lockdowns were for all of our safety uh, against COVID, this pandemic? No, 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 no. They were not for that purpose at all. They were to test how many people will be compliant with those lockdowns when they're afraid. I promise you in the future, these globalists will use lockdowns for climate change. Mark my words. All right. And we know the globalists want us to all depend on wind and solar. I don't know if you know or not, but there has been billions of dollars over the last 20 years to try and reduce our dependency on fossil fuels. All the billions we've spent in trying to reduce that dependency has resulted in a 3% reduction. We've gone from 87% of our energy comes from coal, gas, and oil to 84%. So again, after billions spent, only 3% reduction. Let's see, at that rate uh, for carry the five, uh, yeah, it only take us about 560 years to attain total dependency on wind and solar and carbon neutral. And even that won't be carbon neutral because uh, I know the windmills require petroleum products, mostly grease, to 
keep all the parts lubricated, and when they're not spinning, uh, fuel to keep them running. So, and solar, we know how dependable solar is after what happened in California and Texas when it got so cold and did, and the sun didn't come out for a long time. I mean, really? And honestly, I don't understand why we are not building a nuclear power plant in every state in our country as often as possible. We could actually go probably full nuclear in 10 to 20 years if we worked really hard and built these nuclear power plants. I'm wondering if Chernobyl scared people so badly that no one dares touch nuclear anymore. Either that or the globalists know how cheap and dependable it is, and they want to keep that technology for themselves. So all this money spent on getting our dependency away from oil, gas, and coal, very little has happened. Also, I don't know if you've heard the news recently, what's happening off the shore of, of New Jersey. The, New Jersey has this plan to build all these windmills miles offshore. And recently, seven whales have washed up dead on the beaches. And the environmentalists and, and conservationists are saying the reason why this is happening is because of the surveying being done on the ocean floor for the windmills. Uh, they're going to, you know, pave <laughs> most of the ocean floor out there with these wind and, and install these windmills and the sonar they're blasting the ground with to see where the stable ground is and unstable ground is, is the exact same frequency as what whales use. And it's confusing the whales, separating mothers from their calves and causing whales to beach themselves on the Jersey coast. Now, what they're planning is they're planning on building hundreds of these windmills that are between 750 and 1,000 feet high off the coast of New Jersey. Can you imagine the uh, vacation videos now? Uh, when, after these windmills are built and the, the beautiful look off the shore and you've got hundreds of windmills off in the distance. Yeah, that's going to be great for tourism. So environmentalists are okay with uh, paving basically the ocean floor to put up these gigantic monstrosities uh, of windmills. But they protest uh, parking lots being built uh, over certain areas to protect some mouse. Like, what about the entire sea life that's going to be disrupted with the massive amount of concrete and rhubarb and all the massive machines that are going to have to go down under the water to dig the holes and to excavate all the area and all the things that are going to be necessary to construct these thousand foot high windmills. Okay, next I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple of current events uh, other than the document issue with the Bidens. And, of course, always leave on a positive note right after this. Okay, 
One of the stories I, that caught my eye today was of a California mom who is suing the school district for allegedly counseling her daughter to transition her gender without telling her. So this woman's 11-year-old daughter loses her father and feels very disconnected and tells um, her counselor, guidance counselor, that she may be a man or she feels like a man or something like that. And the counselor immediately latches onto that and takes her right back into the classroom that she came from and told everyone in the classroom, from now on, you will refer to so-and-so by her male name. She's identifying as a boy, and everyone will treat her as a boy. Well, this went along for a little while, and eventually the girl wanted to tell her mother, and the school counselor advised her against doing that until more people accepted her new identity. Well, eventually her grandmother found out and told her mother, and then the mother called the school, and the school says that they will address the lawsuit when they receive it. Uh, but they don't think anything like that is allowed in their school, and there's no such thing as a parent secrecy policy in the Chico Unified School District in California. So I'll be interested to follow the news on this lawsuit. All right, and one other thing that I want to talk about that is extremely disturbing. I do apologize. Uh, it's probably going to upset some of you, but you need to know it. Uh, this week, starting tomorrow, of course, is the big World Economic Forum convention in Davos, Switzerland. You know that convention when 400 or more uh, private jets land in the uh, airport at Davos, Switzerland, and they all get together and have conferences and meetings to pat themselves on the back on how good they're doing and lecture the rest of the world on how bad we're doing and how we need to do better and fight climate change more. And then they get back in their 400 plus private jets or yachts or whatever and fly back to their mansions. You know, that is happening. Well, there's going to be a topic discussed this year that's pretty upsetting, to me at least. Uh, it says it's now calling for the decrim decriminalization of sex with children, arguing that laws against age gap love is what they're calling it, or more commonly known as pedophilia, violate human rights. They're actually trying to make this acceptable. They claim that the reason why is because it's being created by nature in increasingly large numbers for a reason. What this paper that, is, that was presented at the World Economic Forum really means is they believe that this is nature's attempt to cleanse the earth and save humanity from itself. Minor attracted people, <clears throat> pedophiles, are far less likely to produce large numbers of offspring, according to academic data. And the so-called underage people they have, so-called relationships with, are statistically less likely to go on and become heads of large families 
themselves. Uh, yeah, I believe me, I'm as uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm at a loss for words. Very few things, as you could probably tell, leave me for a loss of words. This one is one of them. They actually want to decriminalize pedophilia, and they actually believe it's natural and something that's going to help the human population in the long run. Even the New York Times ran an article, it was an op-ed, arguing that pedophilia is not a crime. Then CNN, always wanting to get in the mix, countered with an article proclaiming that pedophiles are not monsters or social deviants living in the shadows. According to CNN, it's high time for society to update its image of pedophiles. I I'm sorry, what? Then when someone called them out, as CNN usually does, they doubled down on their reasoning, saying that rather than considering child molesters the lowest of the low, we should reach out to them and seek to understand them. Because one cannot choose to be a pedophile or attracted to minors. So the final point of this article that's presented at Davos this year for the World Economic Forum says that it's time that we relax the outdated social taboo against pedophilia. What? I read these things and I honestly cannot believe how dramatically things have changed and how pervasive evil has become over the last, goodness gracious, even 10 years, 10, maybe 15. I don't think it's even 15. I don't, it's mostly 10 years, five years ago. This stuff wasn't even considered acceptable or there weren't efforts to try and welcome pedophiles and accept them as they are. You know, if you think about it, though, if you go back to my second podcast where uh, Yuri Bezmenov was talking about demoralizing an entire generation, what better way to do it? What better way to change society's morals and destroy the morality of a society than to brainwash the children is spreading at an alarming rate right now. I just read an article uh, recently that there is a pastor, I, you can't call him a pastor, a minister of a satanic church in London that has seen a 200% increase in membership. I don't think people understand that you're worshiping evil when you worship Satan. You're practicing evil when you think that things like pedophilia and all of these other taboo sexual relationships are okay and actually a good thing. I personally think people that think this really have been overcome by evil to a point where they can no longer think rationally, logically, or morally. You watch. I guarantee you within the next year, maybe two or three, 
they're going to try and make bestiality acceptable. It's all a downward path. Okay, <laughs> as I always like to do, I want to end on a positive note, especially after this last topic and how dark it was. One of the biggest things you can do in your life to improve it dramatically is to forgive. Not only forgive those who have wronged you in the past, but forgive yourself. When you hold on to anger and bitterness and resentment, you're only hurting yourself. And the longer you hold on to that, the longer that you're going to remain in that state of mind when you recall those circumstances. So when you go back and forgive those people, and you don't have to necessarily forgive them to their face. I mean, that's powerful if you do. If you go back to the person that, you know, did you wrong or bullied you or something like that, and you actually tell them, I forgive you, then it's not on you anymore. Then it's on them whether or not they want to forgive themselves. And that weight is lifted off your shoulders. And I promise you, you'll feel it. If you honestly forgive those who did you wrong in the past and move on and try to make it a point to look back on those certain circumstances with peace, with acceptance, like, yeah, it happened, but I'm here. I've grown. I'm a better person. I'm a different person. Uh, and maybe so are they. But if you just put it out there in the universe that you forgive the people that have wronged you, you'll feel that weight lift off your shoulder. And if you forgive yourself, you'll feel a huge weight lift off your shoulder. I promise you this. Forgiveness is an extremely powerful principle. And if you learn to forgive, you're going to have a lot more happiness in your life and a lot less regret. And on that note, and I, this is going to be a little shorter than all the other ones, but I'm going to continue with this, what their plans are for us in the future. Uh, I just wanted to cover the housing and the, uh, you know, the power sources. In the next episodes, I'll talk about what kind of food they're going to have us eat. And, uh, you know, they're going to try and remove all of these pillars of strength in our society to make people feel uncomfortable and discombobulated and in need of uh, therapy and direction and a center in their life. And I think you can understand what I'm talking about, but I will discuss those in more detail in the next episode. Until then, create an amazing day.